everybody and welcome to tonight's MHTV. Tonight we're talking about arts, performance and the emotional aspects of nursing. So we've got two really interesting guests who I'm going to let introduce themselves shortly and tell you a little bit about their work. But first, I'm going to hand over to Nikki to tell you a bit about the social media and how you can join in tonight. Hello everyone, it's lovely to see you. As ever, you can join in by commenting on the Facebook Live page um, or um, you can tweet us on MHTV. If you've got any questions at all, anything you'd like to clarify, anything you'd like to join in with, please just let us know. Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you, Nikki. Okay then, so Alex, are you okay if we start with you? Um, if you could just maybe introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, sure, so uh, my name is Alex Mermakides, um, and I'm not a healthcare professional. I come from an institution called the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, which is a specialist higher education establishment that trains musicians and actors and other um, theatre professionals. And we're very famous for having trained people like Michaela Cole and Papua Swerdu, Orlando Bloom, Jude Law. Um, but that's not my doing. Um, I, 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 I can't take responsibility for that, I'm afraid. Um, I'm in the research department. And what we do in the research department is investigate the performing arts um, and the role that they play in society more broadly. And my little contribution to that is to think about theatre and performance in relation to healthcare and to medicine. Um, and I do that research by writing academic tomes. Um, and I've just had a book published called Performance Medicine and the Human, um, which you can put a link to um, a bit later. Um, uh, but I also do that research by making performances. And what I want to talk about um, is um, one of those performances that I've made in collab, and I make those performances in collaboration with patients and also healthcare professionals. Um, do you want to go to uh, Fee now and then come back to me or shall I carry on? Yeah, um, I don't know, Fiona, should we go over to you just for an introduction and then we'll come back? Yeah, sure. That's all right. Lovely. Hi everyone, my name's Fee and I work up at Edinburgh Napier University and I'm an adult nurse by background and I work up at the university as a nursing lecturer and I've been involved for the last three years now in using drama as part of our curriculum to mm. support our students in developing empathy and sympathetic presence and understanding different roles and situations to get a better understanding of uh, things like, gosh, vast things like emotional well-being and stepping into the shoes of patients, but also healthcare professionals from different uh, aspects of healthcare approaches. And also I've been involved in to understand big topics like health and social care integration. <laughs> Try and get your head around that. It's so boring sometimes, so you have to make it interesting and engaging. So we've been using drama and co-producing projects with our students and with some service users up here in Edinburgh. So we've uh, created a bit of a community up here and we've created two plays which we've performed and filmed uh, using staff and students and community actors as part of our cast and crew. So that's a bit about me and what I've been up to. Fascinating, thank you. 
So, um, Alex, should we go back over to you first of all? Uh, sure, yes. And um, uh, David was going to kindly show some photos just so you, so you can get a sense of what, what that show looks like. Um, so I'm talking about performance that's called Careful. And I made this in partnership with the nursing school at Kingston University and two lecturers in particular, Sally Richardson and Terry Firth, who are really helpful. Um, and, I, and I spent the summer of um, 2016 in residence at the school, so observing lessons and interviewing students so that the performance was created out of um, the experiences of trainee nurses and lecturers um, and others. Um, as the name suggests, the show is about care, um, and it's particularly about the emotional context of caring. So um, mm. former nurse and now author Mark Radcliffe um, mm. argues that the fact that nurses feel is seriously overlooked in nursing policy and public debates, and particularly in the aftermath of the Francis report, yeah. where you know, nurses' compassion was being policed, um, but the attention turned very much to kind of empathy and feeling, you know, the importance of understanding the emotional context of the um, patient. Mm. But this show, we thought we wanted to manifest the feelings um, and, and including those uglier feelings that aren't always kind of nice and compassionate, so anger and guilt and exhaustion. And it often depicts um, those feelings through dance and physical theatre. So we've got a little picture of, of what that might look like um, on the next slide, Dave. Oh, sorry, the one afterwards. There, so that's a kind of image of somebody burdened by care. Um, um, and the previous slide, please now, thank you. Um, so what happens in the show is that we meet these five characters um, and they're four, four nurses and a midwife, actually. Um, and each of them is put in a situation where their ability to care for a patient is um, put under pressure, um, mm -hmm. or at least to care for them in a way that uh, doesn't impact their emotional well-being. So they're really small kind of everyday stories, like uh, nurse Helena's trying to keep her temp temper with Mr. Matthews, who's a kind of very imperious cardiac patient who keeps ringing her call bell for unnecessary things. Um, or you have uh, Nurse Thalia um, in the green who can't stop worrying about her patient who's had a stroke and then been whisked off and she never hears from her. Well, she worries about her worries and chases her through the hospital to find out what's happened. Um, and uh, so there's always this conflict between patient or person-centered care and, and self-care um, in that thing. Uh, and one thing we do, which is quite fun, is you don't see the patients. No one acts the patients. Um, so you have to imagine who the patients are based on how the nurses are talking. So when one of, the go one of them goes... Yeah, why do you think that's particularly powerful not to show the patient? Well, the first time we did the show... The first time we did the show... Uh, as a sort of work in progress, we did it in the sim lab and mm. we had the audience in the beds as the patient. So yeah. they were being addressed directly. So you mm. can get a real kind of sense of, you know, what it's like to be a patient in the care, vulnerable, lying horizontal in the care of someone. And when we put mm. students in that position, that was quite powerful. 
And then, and then when we turned it into a, we showed it in normal theatres. So in the sim lab, we could only get, you know, eight people <laughs> in at, the, at, and then, uh, at any one time. So we thought we had to do it in a normal theatre. And, you know, we did it in a theatre of 450 people. Then what we did, we had to kind of address the whole audience as though they were a patient. And I suppose the learning point there was, you know, the, the way in which the nurse adjusts herself to the person in front of her. So, you know, so when Nurse Pip talks to Darren, she goes, hello, Darren, how are you? And you can tell that that's a, a child. Mm. Um, and, you know, if someone else says, hello, Mrs. Chakrambati. You can tell, that, you know, good morning, they say rather than hello. You can tell, you know, it, it's sort of also a sort of lesson in communication skills and kind of individualized yeah, care. And from an empathy point of view, though, isn't it? Because it encourages the audience to focus on the nurses' interactions, whereas I think, you know, you would you would automatically you know, put yourself perhaps in the patient's shoes rather than the nurses. So it forces you to focus on what's happening with the nursing. Yeah, exactly. And that as a kind of tension. Yeah. So, so in an ideal world, it wouldn't be a tension. But, you know, if you're in a kind of busy ward yeah. or understaffed or just a lot to do, you know, that, you know, you have to, you might be in a situation where you have to sacrifice your own well-being in order to pay attention to the patient. Um, and I say this not because I don't think it's important that we pay attention to patients. <laughs> so one of the, you know, one of the inspirations of this piece was, you know, very kind of serious um, experience, personal experience of, of illness. So, you know, in 2004, my brother was diagnosed. He was 33 and he was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, which is a very acute mm -hmm. and very deadly um, mm -hmm. blood cancer. And he was in hospital for nearly a year, chemo, you know, very aggressive chemotherapy, radiotherapy, a bone marrow transplant for which I was his donor. Um, and that, yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, it was, it was, and it was really, you know, life-changing situation just to witness, let alone what he went through. Um, yeah. But we were really struck by the nurses and mm. the way just a kind of small gesture or a look or a way of entering the room could have a big impact on how we felt. Mm. And being a theatre person, I really mm. noticed that because that's yeah. what we train our actors to do. You know, what, how do you adjust yourself to, create an emotion in somebody else yeah um yeah so so the other aspect of the show is that we have these dance sequences mm. which are kind of more abstract and where we work with um we take routines of yeah of kind of nursing like neurological exams and um blood pressure and and turn that into dance and the reason being that kind of music, music and movement together, I think, can create or suggest emotion in a way that drama or, or voices can't. Definitely. I quite like ghetto theatre. They, they do that a lot, don't they? Like demonstrating sort of emotion through, through dance. And um, first time I saw that, it was completely unique to me, but really, really powerful. Um, the sense that you don't have to speak, really, but you can portray so much through dance. I mean, yeah. I'm a big fan of ballet as well, and it's the same, isn't it, really? Yeah. And, yeah, and, and it's kind of multiple emotions. You know, different people interpret it in different ways. Mm, yeah. So, you know, people make fun of interpretive dance, but they think there's something about leaving 
you know, a series of movements that's, or, or music that is open and then people can, can see what they, you know, um, you know, pose their own meaning or they feel what they feel and that's true to them even if someone else doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, mm. so, the, so the piece isn't about mental health particularly, but it was very much motivated by a concern for, um, you know, the well-being of frontline healthcare yeah. professionals. Um, and that's something I got an insight into because, um, you know, after Milton, my brother recovered, we made a show which was about cancer and we showed it to healthcare in medical schools. And we did one showing with about 200 oncology nurses. And they talked about, you know, what it's like to be on an oncology ward, mm -hmm. dealing with very sick patients, mm -hmm. giving very toxic treatments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's when we saw the kind of other side of it. We'd been so obsessed with, you know, the patient's perspective. And then we saw the other side and it's it's kind of like balancing that. So it's it's very much motivated by that concern. And of course, um, you know, with COVID, that's become even more topical. Um, you know, we, we're now kind of facing in all likelihood a sort of epidemic of PTSD and mm -hmm. other mental health issues for people who've been you know, experiencing, you know, situations in the where in, in which the patient's emotional well-being probably isn't, you know, if they're, if they're COVID sufferers, might not be the primary thing. It's, you know, life on the line and in which the, the, the healthcare professionals um, work is there. So, so I want to say a little bit more about how we've used it educationally. Uh, do I have time to do that? Or do you want to go to Fiona for a bit first? Um, Nikki, I wondered if um... no, no, I'm I'm on social media at the minute, tapping. All... <laughs> Guys, go ahead, don't mind me. <laughs> you know, as soon as I get questions in, shall I say a couple more things? Yeah, yeah, go yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, so we so we've shown it in nursing schools, and in particular at Kingston, where it was made, but we've also developed um, these kind of lessons where we use techniques from actor training and we adapt them for nurses. To, to kind of support things like um, nonverbal communication, confidence, um, uh, kind of per, you know uh, uh, emotional resilience, voice skills through which you can learn confidence. And we've had some really really good feedback from students. We've got about ninety. We've done kind of surveys over three years now. It's been part of the curriculum at Kingston. About ninety percent rate it. Um, say that they'd use the learning in their clinical practice. Um, and then I've created wow. a kind of online version now that we've gone online. Um, so there's a sort of digital version, which I can make available to people if they're interested. Um, um, and um, I don't, if we have time, I've got a little 90 minute clip of the show, we, which we can see either now or a bit later. Do you want to do that now and then? So what we're seeing here is a nurse called Pip. She's a children's nurse and she's having to cannulate a patient called Darren, who's about eight years old and who has cystic fibrosis and needs um, IV antibiotics and his mum can't come in. Um, uh, sorry, Dave, could you start at the beginning? Calm and, and stop. Thank you. Darren! Hey, Mum's on her way, but we're going to start without her. So, um, 
We'll be okay. They won't we? And uh, how's that hand? Nice and numb? Okay, fantastic. Sharp scratch then. Silly hand jumped away, didn't it? Let's try and keep it there, shall we? Ooh. Try again, shall we? Oh, I'll tell you what, Darren, why don't you look out, out the window and tell me what you can see and then what, 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 what can you, is there a blue car out there? Can you, can you see that? Can you see the blue car? There's a little red car. <laughs> Stop the traffic lights. What are they doing? Maybe if you could, like they could get in that car and then you would be stuck so much there. And then you could drive away, but that's at the moment completely. That's done. Great. Brilliant. All done. Come a little under, John. And then, it's all right, Darren. It's all done. It's all over. It's all over now, and now we can play snap. No, go away! Okay. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I'm sorry. It's really powerful, that, isn't it? I love, I think um, it really captures how it's completely stripped back and the focus is completely on on her and her interactions isn't it and uh, sort of the believability in the way that she's communicating that you you go into the um sort of mindset of thinking that he's actually there and as you say the way she's communicating with the child and you can tell that it's child it's massively relevant in mental health isn't it nikki as well i, I think as well you when you see things like that it reminds you of your own nurse voice totally there's a lot of guilty faces I can see there. But uh, and one of the things I was talking to someone the other day, I only ever say popped when I'm under pressure as a nurse. So like pop your trousers back on, that kind of stuff. I never I never have to use the word popped in any part of my life. But yeah. it's when I'm in that zone, I'm trying to minimise whatever's going on, like pop knife on the side or whatever it is, in that kind of really weird voice. And I hear it come out of myself sometimes. And I think, who's that person? So mm. that's one thing I think about kind of a performance, which is part of, maybe being a nurse, maybe being a teacher as well, in that it, it's part of you, but it's not you. Yeah. I think you really notice it when you see it in somebody else because mm. it's like a, a shared face, isn't it, we all have. Definitely. Really, yeah. And nurse voice as well. So mm. the tones of voice I never used in any part of my personal life that I would use if I was trying to get people to calm down on a ward or if I was trying to restore balance in a situation, should we politely say, or talk to a child who was frightened. It's really interesting, isn't it? You suddenly see how much of your caring is performance. And I don't mean that in a way that it's not meant or that it's not genuine or it's not real, but that it's something that we do, something that you see other people do and something that you copy and um, an outfit that you put on in the same way you might put on a uniform if you're a general nurse. I think it does sp um, spill into other areas of your life. There's been so many times in my life where... I've dealt with, you know, people who've been aggressive, for example, and other people have said to me afterwards, oh, you could tell you're a mental health nurse, the way that you handled that. And and I think it is because you learn about how to stand, where to stand, your tone of yeah. voice, you know, warmth in your tone, um, you know, matching, the mood matching and all the other strategies. 
And, um, you know, and I'm very conscious from a risk point of view where I sit in a room with my back yeah, to things. very much so. If I'm talking to someone and I'm stood over them or if I'm talking to someone and they're stood over me, um, you know, and how I feel about that and, you know, vulnerability of that as well. So, But is that your hypervigilance or is that your nursing? Yeah. Because <laughs> it makes us all a bit straight. I know, a bit I, of both, really. It's I've funny. never been able to tell when people say, you can tell you're a mental health nurse, if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Of course it is. 100% sure about where they're going with that. Double-edged, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, that was great. I'm wondering if we should move over to um, Fiona now because, um, and then we'll come back to Alex because you've got a very Mm -hmm. different perspective with um, with your work. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, thank you. So, yeah, talking really what Nikki said really chimes with me as far as, you know, helping our students to prepare themselves for going into placement. So I deal mostly with pre-registration student nurses, um, adult mental health, learned disability and child health students. So we have this whole range and it is very much like you say, it's, it's about helping and preparing them for placement. And I suppose we've moved beyond the simulation lab, like Alex was saying, we use the simulation lab a lot to help bring that realism for students and help that authentic learning, help them rehearse for the real thing. And I suppose with our drama project, we had an opportunity to uh, develop that a little bit further and enable students to use rehearsals and uh, play time, developing play, a play and I suppose using rehearsals almost as a workshop to develop scenes and to reflect back on whether that was realistic, how that felt, what it was like to play a different professional coming from a different perspective. So that's what we found was really interesting. It started off when, uh, before I arrived at Napier, um, one of our lecturers went along to was invited to the Scottish Parliament because he was his role was in public health and he was invited to go and see a play called Mad Bad Invisible and this was written by a, a family member of somebody who went through quite a traumatic experience with their mental health uh, relying on the services within the Edinburgh at that time and they kind of everything kind of went wrong really they kind of slipped through the cracks um, and so it meant that this person ended up instead of getting the care they needed from A&E or from their GP and getting their housing situation sorted out because they became homeless and they were using alcohol to self-medicate and so on so instead of getting the help that they needed at that time they were kind of passed from pillar to post through all these well disintegrated services and this was at a time where health and social care integration was starting to come together and it had just become legislation in Scotland at this point and the the point of the play was to demonstrate how disintegrated things were and how services needed to work better together and so the team that performed that was actually funded by a charity which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore it was called COMAS I can't actually remember what it stands for I'm really sorry (laughs) but it was a mental health charity and it supported people with mental health and substance use issues and it was to support them to uh, develop and uh, get over their issues and help them to live better with their long-term conditions 
and it enabled people through use of a cafe called the Serenity Cafe, which used to be in Edinburgh, um, to, uh, to kind of develop those coping strategies and to get better. That was the aim. And so a group of service users from the Serenity Cafe and from Comas were invited to take part in this performance at the Scottish Parliament. So they played, they developed and produced and performed Mad, Bad, Invisible for Scottish MSPs and people in healthcare like my colleague who was invited along. And so it had a huge impact, that play. And um, it told the story of the individual who went through the mental health crisis and how they went from pillar to post and fell through the cracks and ended up in prison. Eventually yeah. did get help and there was a good end at the end. They did manage to uh, get out of prison and, um, and recover and do well with the help they got in prison. But obviously there was a whole host of things that went wrong um, in the interim. So it was so impactful that my colleague Richard, who went to see it, came back to the university, still feeling the power of the play um, and feeling that he really needed to get the message across. And he was also charged, coincidentally, with being involved in a new module for our second year student nurses about health and social care integration. And so this all the pieces started to fit together. And as I arrived at Napier, I was lucky enough to get involved in the project, which was to invite student nurses to perform the play. We did it in a public space in the Serenity Cafe, the cafe where the real events played out in real life. So it was quite special. We invited MSPs and healthcare professionals and a range of people and service users. Um, and we performed it there and we videoed it there. So it was a bit of an amateur video, but we videoed it there. And, yeah. um, and we had a public debate afterwards. Yeah, I was going to so say that. So that was the journey. Mm. <laughs> it, was, it was an amazing experience. And I was just sort of the standby person. I was the helper outer. It was great to be there. I knew everyone's lines because I was the understudy for everyone. <laughs> And uh, but the students performed it. And we had Gillian, who'd who'd uh, produced the play and directed the play from the start, directed it for our students at that point. And that was kind of the beginning of our journey. Mm. It was really interesting because the public really engaged. Yeah, absolutely. But also, and um, and Nikki knows that I I like to refer to this prison system when I'm on MHTV because I do think that people in prisons and people with addictions are often people who are never given a voice because we other them away from society and um, and we assume that they're bad people or the last lost causes. So um, there's some absolutely brilliant, as you probably know, drama companies who are doing work with prisons and sort of abating drama, which I think is brilliant, uh, you know, using their actual stories and, and voices. And I know that I had the honour of speaking at the House of Commons a couple of years or so ago um, about pregnant women in prison. And when I was thinking about what I was going to say, I was thinking, how am I going to get the message across? And what I decided to do in the end is that I'd been involved in this poetry project where they'd all um, some of the women who were mums um, had written poems which were published. So I took some of the poems and I read them and I read some letters. And, um, you know, it was just so powerful because... Um, all the other talks that day were very much about sort of mainstream health and care problems, but 
when I've talked about women in prison and, you know, shared their kind of own experiences, people had no idea, you know. Um, and so I'm I totally, um, mm. it's fantastic, you know, to do to do that. And I think the, um, the audience kind of having the opportunity for discussion at the end, I think when I see, I love theatre myself, and the most powerful theatre I've seen is when you get that opportunity. I remember going to see the... Um, Stephen Lawrence inquiry years ago um, wow. at theatre at West Yorkshire Playhouse. And what I really remember about that was actually the panel discussion afterwards around the actual play, I would say. So, yeah, it's... Um, it was, it really, it really, it, you could tell, we, we, did, we got people to write feedback forms afterwards and we kept them. And, and a lot of the comments talked about how this experience, obviously we were still in very early stages of trying to integrate services to be fair, but they were talking about how it really did chime with their own experiences and how it was so important that the people who were policymakers who were there and, you know, guideline writers and all that kind of thing heard the story. Mm -hmm. um, and because it was so powerful, it really made you think about the individuals involved. Well, I think and that's something, yeah. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, that's exactly it. And, you know, thinking back to my experience there, you know, there's a massive issue about women when they come out of prison, actually finding any housing that's family-centred where they can take mm. the child so the child doesn't end up in the care system. And, um, and looking at it in terms of housing from a bureaucratic point of view, you don't have that empathic connection. But actually hearing somebody's story and about how life-changing it can be to find suitable accommodation after prison... For you and your child you know it kind of it it hammers it home at a completely different level doesn't it and it's that humanity i think of it so yeah and i think for our students the learning for our students was they they were there with us every step of the way we adapted the play slightly because we had an all-female cast the original character was male um, and so we adapted it and then the students, some of them went on to perform in the fringe in another NHS sort of, it was, it was around, um, was it, would it have been 60 years of the NHS then? That might have been that year. And so they did a play around that and they got to meet the some of the original cast because of all the networking they were doing. So they met um, some of the original cast from Mad, Bad, Invisible. And then after that, the story gets even better because one of our students who was on the in the play and then went on to do the module the next year. So she saw Mad, Bad, Invisible, the play integrated into our module, enabling students to empathise with the characters and each of the different individual professionals from health and social care and what their views were and how they could have responded in a compassionate way, in a more joined up way. And so she saw all of that, but she said, well, actually, this is so mental health focused, she said. I reckon I can write another play and we can enhance this module even more. So she did. Yes, um, so Trisha, if you're out there, I don't think she can make it tonight. She's on a shift, I'm afraid. She's now qualified. But she wrote this play and she called it, well, because we had Mad, Bad, Invisible, she decided to call it Old sad old invisible i think she wanted to talk about an older person and then we changed it to cracks because it was all about falling through the cracks yeah. also showing a more positive story about how health and social in care integration can work yeah. and on the other hand a, a contrasting character where it didn't work quite so well yeah. so she created these two characters called bob and debbie 
and she told their story through her play. And so it also involved children's health, nursing and learning disabilities because we, because uh, Bob was a carer for his granddaughter. Um, so it kind of pulled together um, all of the fields of nursing, if you like, and helped all of the students have a bit of a, a, a deeper connection with some of the characters. Um, and it just meant that we had now Mad, Bad, Invisible and Cracks to be able to draw on and to be able to talk about all of these characters, which the students could really, really, you know, understand, really empathise with and feel that sympathetic presence with. And, and it really helped enhance the module. I mean, students loved it, I can tell you that. <laughs> they, they certainly evaluated the module a little bit better after we did all these things, so it was great. And, and it was just really helpful to have the students involved in it because the second play was very much produced by students. We just yeah. were in the rooms helping and they really drove it forward. Mm. It must have been really motivated and keen as well, because presumably they didn't have performing arts backgrounds, no. No, they didn't. I mean, they had passion for it, very yeah. much passion for it, uh, but none of them had much experience. Some of them had done a bit of amdram or a bit of drama at school. Yeah. Um, but mostly they were just really keen to, and, and they were, they were amateurs. So, so we're not saying that the acting in our, in our plays that we've recorded is tip top or anything. It's very amateur, but it's more about the experience that they're able to demonstrate and, and they're able to put across and also share with their classmates because we can, you know, we can share their experiences of becoming the character as well as stepping into the shoes of those characters. And uh, and we use them obviously to discuss in our module about how what what it means for individuals, as you said, uh, Vanessa, how important it is to understand the individual story, to be able to understand what an impact some of our health services can have or not have, and how it can well or not well. So is, is that module is it ongoing? Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I still actually teach on it now and we've got our new program up in Scotland. We all went to the new Bachelor of Nursing program in 2020. So it'll run, the new version will run next year. And yes, the plays are still embedded and we're still going to be talking about similar themes because even though there's lots that's improved in health and social care integration, obviously, um, there's still situations where, you know, problems occur, People do still fall through the cracks, as we know. Um, and, you know, we can always improve and do better. Mm. So, yeah, we've been... And because we've recorded it, of course, we've got an easy way to keep using the materials and the different scenes. So... And it works on multi-levels, which is great. I saw something in one of the recordings I've not seen before. We had a, a, a scene with a multidisciplinary team in it talking. And I know that sounds really boring, but that they're talking about the discharges of, of Bob and Debbie. And uh, we, we worked on this scene quite a lot because number one, it could, you know, it was a bit talky, not very action-y. Um, and number two, we weren't too sure about how bad to make one of the characters <laughs> to make it more interesting and what was realistic and what was a bit, you know, we didn't want it to be too farcical. We didn't want it to be too funny because the problem was it was becoming a little bit too... Uh, you know, dodgy. So we kind of had to work on that quite a bit. And I guess, I guess the scene in the end, 
I noticed when I looked at it, I thought, actually, I feel really sorry for that character now because actually we we'd had to sort of demonstrate some of the contrasting uh, interactions and difficulties. And I was chatting to my students about, well, actually, I think maybe the team could have helped that person out a bit more there, don't you think? And, you know, those kind of discussions have come out of it as well. So it's quite, quite useful on a range of levels. <laughs> Very useful. Nikki, um, should we come over to you? Yeah, I've got a couple of questions. Uh, one from Adrian saying, really impressive work, guys. Love that. Um, using drama is an amazing way of teaching, um, of in um, assessing decision making, but an amazing slant looking at the nurse and their actions. Um, the immersive nature of sense is really well done and beneficial across all the, all the curricula. What's really interesting is a student has texted me to say, I love the idea of it, but I'm horrified at the thought I might be asked to do it. <laughs> so, I know, yeah. Any, any thoughts about how do, you, how do you cope with that balance? I have that when I when I lead workshops with nurses, nursing mm. students, we just have to be really, really careful how to frame it and so that people feel safe. And and I think a key thing is to acknowledge that people are going to feel, you know, it's same with kind of sim learning, role play, people are uncomfortable. And, you know, the first thing is always to kind of acknowledge that people can feel that, uh, uncomfortable and then and then just make uh, things as as easy as possible for people um you know and and, and the key thing is always to come ham, hammer home why you're doing something mm -hmm. so we'll often we'll do really things that you know if somebody walked into the classroom and saw us wonder you know leading each other around with our eyes closed or leaning up against each other or things that we do they'd sit they'd say you know what what what, what have i walked into but if but I found that if you can be really really clear and invite the students to say, you know, this connects to my work in this way, yeah. well then you can that then they can get quite adventurous. You can get you know you can get really interesting engaging in things that you know they probably didn't think they would be doing. And the key thing is to make it fun as well. We do a second year one which which uses kind of games to you know to think about how we manage how how we deal with stress and elevated heart rates and and the flight or flight adrenaline kind of things we use kind of competitive games and it's fun and people you know added values they they, they can enjoy themselves and they have a, a moment of bonding with their classmates yeah. could you as well involve people in some of the non-performance aspects of it as well you know for people who were you know introverted and didn't want to get involved like, as you say like in the production of it or yeah you know, so we yeah so i don't get students performing uh, you know, uh, Fiona is much braver than that. I get them doing, you know, actor style exercises in a classroom, which is lower, lower, <laughs> lower stakes for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. We've got a couple more because I'm just looking at time. This is whiz to buy again. Really so we're heading been. towards forty past. Um, uh, to the question, does anyone else have a nurse voice? Tony Butterworth, CBE, um, says yes. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the jury's out on whether it's a compliment. Generally, people think yes, it's a compliment to be asked if you're a mental health nurse. They're not 100% sure, but generally. Um, and someone else has said, um, when developing a theme, where's the best place to start? Are you allowed to develop from within the students or the service user voice? So that's an interesting question that's there. Question. Mm. I suppose from our perspective, um, because we 
we we certainly the student in who created the play cracks she was networking with some service users so i think she was bouncing ideas off those people who were involved and they became our community actors um and i guess you we are trying very much to portray authentic experiences yeah. so and um, the involvement of those people has really helped us to think about how we present things. So, for example, in some of the scenes that we workshopped with them, we would be asking them, how does it feel in that position? You know, what, you know, does that seem authentic to you? Um, yeah, so, and those were learning opportunities as well during the rehearsals. I think that, I think the limits for us at the moment have been that we've not been able to expand it really wide through our student group yet. We'd love to do more of it. And I'm working on that in a new module that I'll be running that's going to be around patient safety and human factors. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping to do more of using rehearsal in the classroom to support students to rehearse how they might communicate better. It sounds a bit like what you were talking about, Alex, about there'll probably need to be some understanding of some of the acting tools that they might need and um, to be able to do that. But that's probably the next step at the moment. Hopefully, if we can get people back into the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At some point. I, uh, my, my response to that is that it's much more usual in a healthcare education context to make performances about the patient experience. Yeah. And it's very clear to see how that um, how how that's useful. Um, uh, just to note that that I met Fiona because um, it, last year we ran a big conference which was trying to see all the different in nursing department nursing midwifery departments how they're using drama, and you know the key thing we identified is that there's a lot going on but they're not they're not joined up. People don't have the opportunity to talk to each other. And Fee and I are part of the, a sort of national working group that's just been set up to try and advance research in relation to that. And that's one of the findings that a lot of the work is, you know, disparate. A lot of it's based on the patient for very good reason. Um, mm. But actually, I think there's a real opportunity mm. to do work that is that is that looks more closely yeah. at the healthcare professional and about the relationship. So it becomes kind of relationship centred. Mm. So, so where should so, people contact if they want to be part of that work? Uh, yeah, performance for care is what it's called. Performance we'll for tweet care. That info out, yeah. at performanceforcare.org, I think. <laughs> but if you Google performance for care, you'll see a lovely website. We'll definitely share that. All the, yeah, all the blurb on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but also start with what, you know, that for me, like I said, the seed of careful came from 2005, this experience of, you know, of, um, you know, my brother, I think when you're making an artwork, even if it's for a kind of clear purpose, like education, I think it's really important to start with what's close to your heart, yeah. and what you feel strongly about. Yeah. Yeah, mm. definitely. Nikki, any, what's that, your questions there? Just, just checking the last ones. Um, no, there's some rep repeated sorts of questions. So there's, again, this idea about wanting to be do it, but not wanting to be the person who does it, <laughs> which I think is funny. But there's obviously you've tapped into a real a real issue there because yeah. in different forms, it's about three different times. It's called that. <laughs> so I guess what we can do is, because we are really hitting um, our 40 minutes now, yeah. 
is to make sure that all these links are, are tweeted out and connected up. So that'll go onto the Facebook and the Twitter page. And if anybody has um, any questions they haven't had a chance to ask or they want to get in touch, they'll, they'll be able to do that on those. And we'll check back and see what people are doing. But for me, I've really enjoyed tonight's conversation. I'm absolutely, okay. as ever, surprised how quickly it's gone. I know, me too. Yeah. so much more I'd like to ask you both, really. Um, I guess just before we finish, just to give you both um, the opportunity to, um, to make you know, for any final comments, um, you know, messages for, to take away. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think, you know, it's to thank people who, who have chosen the career in, in healthcare. You know, I owe my brother's life and actually my own life in another situation to them. Um, and to say how important it is that we as a society care for you in order to enable, our, enable you to care for us. And, you know, really mm -hmm. about, you know, huge thank you. And I really hope post-COVID we'll have a world where you know you don't where, where you are you are supported uh, mm. very well to do a, a very difficult and demanding job mm. thank you mm. yeah. I suppose for me um I think what I've been thinking about is all the possibilities next steps and things so I think sometimes you suppose you just have to be brave and grab opportunities when they when they come along and that's certainly what we did um, at Napier and um, and what we've done with Alex, it's been to sort of try and reach out to people and network and try and find these opportunities to try something different that can engage students in a bit of learning that is meaningful and and that they can really um, really get to grips with what it's like for other people. So and don't be scared really to do it. <laughs> I know people yeah, feel daunted by the idea of pretending to a tree or whatever, but but you know if you once you're in there, it it it's fine. Yeah. You know if you've got a good facilitator, it's completely fine. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good message. Well, um, it's been fascinating, and thank mm. you both so much. And I'm sure everyone who's been listening has found it really interesting. And you know we'll continue to follow what you're doing. And as Nikki says, we'll make sure that we tweet out lots of links and things. So people can um, find out more about this and um, thank you both very much thank you for having us thank you, thank you. good night everybody bye bye